0: This episode of the Ministry Misfits podcast and this awesome shirt are brought to you by Courageous Clothing Company. Courageous Clothing Company is a Christian family-owned business that specializes in custom designs that they create as well as bulk screen printing of your custom designs as well. When you buy from Courageous Clothing Company, you're not just buying an awesome shirt. You also are helping spread the gospel across the world through the missions that they support, such as this here with Ministry Misfits, as well as with their own designs that have Christian-themed messages sharing the gospel in an awesome and relevant way, or as we say within CSRM and Ministry Misfits, strategically relevant evangelism. Check out their entire line at CourageousClothingCompany.com. all right welcome back to ministry misfits we are still here with our awesome ep dr greg linville and today we are talking about his other favorite topic which is ecclesiology or the theology of the church and specifically the local church so um those of you that actually are watching the video hopefully you can see it's not too grainy he his book putting the church back in the game um, deals with this this is book number is this book number three or four greg this is volume
1: three in the Institutes of
0: Sports Outreach book series. Right. So book number three, he's got a lot of other books dealing with theology and how it relates to the church and how it relates to sports ministry in general. Um, so you guys can go pick that up on the CSRM store, which is the button right next to donate when you are going there to support us. Um today we want to actually just talk about the local church because this is part of a series that we're doing last week we talked about why it was important to understand just you know history of movements today we're talking about the local church so that next week when we have dr beth allison Barr, we can talk about why world history matters to understanding what our response as the local church actually is so greg walk us through ecclesiology we i've already given a brief definition study you know it's the theology of the church but what are we actually talking about when we talk about the church
1: yeah it's rooted in and you've mentioned this many times on the ministry misfits and uh kudos to you guys you're doing a great job filling a great niche for everybody out there thank you and thanks for having me on we talk about our three-tier paradigm because we have to start with what we believe. What do we think? So we talk about level one being theological truths, and then that is what informs our level two, our biblically-based philosophical principles. So level one, Christocentric theological truth, informs, shapes, and helps us envision our level two, our organizational principles of philosophical principles. And then that's what, out of that is what emerges our methodological models. And unfortunately, in the sports outreach community, the sports ministry community, we, we are level three people. We're doers. We're coaches. We're athletes. We, we get out. We get out. This makes sense. Let's go do it. And then a year or 10 later, we say it didn't work what's going on. And it's probably because we didn't envision it correctly according to the theology. So that is a foundation. This book is really the the first of a series of at least four in that Institutes of Sports Outreach book series that deal with the Christocentric level one. Why do we do what we do? How do we envision and how do we think about it? And why do we start with the church? Because this may be the most overlooked and underappreciated sub-theological category of any of them. What are some of the other ones? This one's pretty big for most people, they get it, called missiology, mm-hmm. because we're just supposed to go and do the mission. So we, we at least have a little bit of missiology. Uh, but ecclesiology? Wait a minute. I'm a local church sports rec and fitness person. Of course, this is about church, but is it really? And it's even more profound in the other three areas of the sports outreach community. What are those? Camping, whether it's residential or day camping. A, A second one is the chaplaincy that we do chaplains we we are a chaplain for a a team or a a league and then the, the third one has to do with the ministries that focus on reaching the elite athlete and coach they're they're ministering not just as a chaplain but they're actually ministering and seeking out those people that are outside, they're, they're a ministry that doesn't have any connection with a local church. And so, while we can maybe excuse the local church, sports, rec and fitness person from, from even wanting to think much about ecclesiology because they they're just they doing it at a local church, I have problems with that, we'll come back to that. <laughs> but it's even so for that para ministry, and it's because, if that group, and why do we call it para-ministry? Because if we call it para-church, it means outside of and alongside. That's what para means. You can't do any Christian work or ministry if you're outside of the church, the universal church. Mm-hmm. If you're not a disciple of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, and if you're a Christian and you're a disciple, you're in the church. So we use church big C, international, universal, and small C for a congregation or assembly, a local uh, expression of the large church. So when I'm talking about, you can't be doing ministry outside of the church, not the local, but the the big one, the international universal. So the terminology that we've chosen to use as para ministry, because we believe they're in the church, we believe they're in the kingdom, we believe that they're Christians, but they're outside of a local congregation. So they're para ministry, they're not para big church. And so what we wanna do is help that those three groups that are make up that para ministry world to think about it even more, because what is the end of the day purpose. That is to get people into the church. And one of the main, main ways to do that is to get them in a congregation, a local church. Now, I'm going to give you an example of, of this. Um, in this particular book, the, the the very man who helps print this is a uh, He's a he's a state director for one of these para ministries. Great guy. He is personally very invested in a local congregation. And in the book, I had made this statement that unless these athletes that are reached, coaches, athletes, whatever, unless they are connected with a local church, they're Christian life is going to be very much of a struggle, if not a shipwreck. Mm-hmm. And he said, you didn't say it strong enough. I said, how much stronger can I say that? <laughs> he said, you got to say it from this perspective. Not just any church, but a Christocentric, Christ-honoring, Bible-teaching church. Because he said, I've had athletes, and they've gone out of the college that I work with, and they go into the professional ranks, and I check with them, yeah, I'm in church, I'm in church, and then they're going to a church that is left Jesus. Jesus is just one way to heaven. They even go to churches where evangelism, they say, is sinful, etc., etc. You can fill in the blanks. And so he said, we've got to get these guys into Christ-honoring Bible-teaching churches. I said, guilty as charged, and
0: we put that <laughs> into a book. And, and this is where then, we really want to start breaking down down terminology real quick. Yeah. Because what what we're talking about here, so ecclesiology, you know, we already said it's theology of the church. But when we talk church, because English church has a lot of different meanings here. And yeah. what, what Greg's already highlighted a few of them. So one is this idea of an international body of believers. And typically what we identify this body with is what we talked about two weeks ago with all of these people all hold to the essential doctrines. They all believe Christ is Lord. They all believe Christ died, rose from the dead. They all acknowledge this. This is where they find their hope. Scripture. They use the, the same Bible for the most part. And and so we we have this universal fellowship of believers, all united around the essential doctrines. You know, we, we highlight the fact that pretty much all it, most will acknowledge the Apostles' Creed, if nothing else. That's what we use within CSRM and Overwhelming Victory as well. Is the Apostles' Creed is our our essentials. then as we start breaking down that we start going into different levels this is how we have the different denominations and all this other stuff which we may or may not get into today but you have big body church and then you have smaller congregations that we call churches but they are really just congregations of believers together in fellowship typically Locally surrounded by either the same mission vision or the same geographic region. And then you also have para ministries, which are people like us, who even though we are part of congregations, our holy discontent and our call is to help alongside, not necessarily in the four walls of a specific building each week. So these are the different levels yeah. we've broken down so far. And part of well, what, is, go ahead.
1: What's really interesting is that CSRM that we all come out of is a para ministry, right? But there's a difference, a major difference, because we see a para ministry's role to be involved, and engaged in either planting, starting brand new churches. Mm-hmm helping the weak or hurting, struggling church to get healthy, or to help the really strong, healthy church expand their influence and expand their impact. Our end goal is not to grow CSRM. Our end goal is to grow the church through the local congregations. Every para ministry needs to ask themselves that question: What is our goal? Are we trying to perpetuate ourselves? Are we really trying to grow not only big C church but little C church? And,
0: and I think it's a chapter. Is, the book. I, I think ahead. again, this is another area where you didn't say it strong enough <laughs> because this isn't just a para ministry mindset that we've got to have if we're talking proper ecclesiology here. This is also the mindset that anybody that is in a pastoral role of ministry needs yes. to be having. You know, I don't remember if it was you or Doctor L- Doctor Quigley in, in in you know during my education time um, that that had talked about this. And I know that John Piper talks about this a little bit in "Brothers, We Are Not Professionals." You know the the weird thing about pastoral ministry is that when you are going into a church unless you are the planting pastor you really the, the church that you are currently serving in is not really your church No, you are coming right. alongside your ministry that god has called you to as a minister and a pastor is now coming alongside of this local congregation and you are partnering together to see the vision carried out in the community. And, and you know th- this is really where we're, we we are why we're talking about all of this is that the idea of a local church and the idea of a congregation and the idea of ministries and all these things the waters are getting very muddy, largely due to the pluralism within our society and everything else. So we're going to take a quick break when we come back Dr. Linville is going to specifically start dialing in why what what the actual local church is all about and what it is and why we why we especially within you know CSRMOV Ministry Misfits we care so much about local congregations um so we will be right back and then we're going to dive right into it Hi, this is the Ministry Misfit, Andrew Fouts. I'm also the Director of Digital Resources for CSRM and the producer of Overwhelming Victory Productions. And today we want to talk a little bit about Anchor FM. Part of our job here at Overwhelming Victory Radio is to provide ministries with easy and affordable ways to create their own media content. And one of these ways is Anchor FM. Anchor is a free one-stop studio with tools to allow you to create a custom podcast experience. They do everything from creation tools distribution tools and even marketing tools with ads such as this download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today
2: all right welcome back everyone we are here with dr greg linville talking about ecclesiology and so welcome back and for this second half we're going to break it down a little bit further here so uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off on what's, what we're talking about next?
0: Yeah, so we, we already talked Big big C Church ecclesiology. We talked about the fact that all of what really matters within the church is that we are theologically, Christocentric theologically centered. We're all centered on Christ, the theology of who he is, and that you know, we go through our three tiers and that we also are a biblically-based body. And so we have a fellowship together. That's the big C church. We've got all these different ministries. We've got different types of pastors, different types of, of people with different holy discontent calls, all these things. And then we have local congregations. And so that's where we're going to start diving in now is Dr. Linville, you have spent 50 some years. Well, no 50 exactly. Cause this is your 50th mm-hmm. year, 50 years in ministry. And the majority of it has been focused in on either a specific local congregation or developing resources and providing networking for local congregations why what is it about the local church the local congregation that you you find so so appealing and wanting to be a part of and wanting to help build
1: well, it it's a both a personal experience as well as a theological understanding. The personal experience is, I can tell you about a church that my grandfather was the like the head elder for seventy years in, and that my mother and her siblings and my cousins and everybody that was part of that. And that when somebody died, when somebody got married, somebody was going through a surgery, somebody was struggling, somebody was rejoicing, you saw what occurred. And personally, my wife and I have been involved with with the local church wherever we've been And we have made it a point, no matter where we are in the world, that we attend a Lord's Day service. Uh, One of the ones I'll never forget happened at a church in a Muslim country. Everything was in Arabic. And and yet there was something that was just powerful about being there with brothers and sisters. And so there's an anecdotal, there's a personal that I don't know how people go through life without that kind of support and encouragement, etc. But then theologically, it is also that this is what we're supposed to do. And and Hebrews and other places do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Um, In the book, I believe it's the fourth chapter, we talk about this from the words in the New Testament, the words in the Bible, that actually speak about the church. And the word ecclesiology comes from the Greek ekklesia, meaning those that are called out, meaning those who are called by God. And the other, another word there is kuriakos, and kuriakos is is actually where the word church uh, came from. And so, I'm not sure I'll get them all right, but the, the Kirke, and I don't know if that's Germany or Holland, but you can see where that comes from, Kuriakis and the Kirk in Scotland. And a lot of these names for the church in these various languages actually comes from that work. These are, there's six words that you can say that helps explain what the church really is supposed to be. The body of Christ is another one, and so that we are a living expression of Jesus. Koinonia, that we are supposed to be a fellowship. And there's an interesting dynamic here. That The church starts and must always retain to some level an organic existence, that someone comes to faith in Christ And usually is coming to faith in Christ through a relationship with somebody else who previously was a Christian and was leading them to Jesus. And that organic sense that, you know, there's no sacraments, there's no um, liturgy, it's just organic. But at some point, it needs to go to organized Because you do need to have preaching and teaching, and you do have to have the sacraments, not to get to heaven, but to help our experience here today and our faith to grow. And so it moves from this organic being called out to this organized, the the body of Christ being
2: the fellowship of Christ. And I think some people skip. I was going to say, Go I think some people skip that first step of the discipleship where bring them into the church or it's you get that hook and you just pass them over. Okay, pastor, give them that perfect sermon that they need to hear today to turn turn their life around where it's, you no, know, it takes time and being beside That's them. Right. and Yeah, the ups and downs. And then once we kind of get in the community, we can build upon that foundation and add some of those other levels of um bible study or whatever that structures might look like within the church but yeah missing that discipleship part can really be key because otherwise if they don't learn it from us that are supposed to be the light they will go find it somewhere else whether that's youtube or anywhere else on the internet or somebody else's faith the master misfits
0: podcast that's right
2: they'll go out and find it
0: (laughs) well and and this is where you know dr linville i don't know if you you heard the episode we did on the essentials or not but you know we we started kind of walking through the Roman Celtic models and the difference yes. between them. And this is what we were talking about with that, is this idea of we, we just get them in the building, the pastor does his thing, and then suddenly they now want to be a part of it which is the opposite of the model that we, of the Celtic model of we're going in the community, we're talking to them, we're becoming a part of them. And now because we are a part of them, they want to see what it means to be a part of us. And really that's what you're talking about here with yes. the, the historical model, the historical con, you know congregational model and the community models of what a local congregation yeah, actually is.
1: And I, I, you really have really tapped right into chapter five. Um, it's like I read the I book believe, or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I think I think it's chapter five where it talks about the purpose and the function of the church. And so, does does the church exist to feed itself, or does it exist to go reach others? Mm-hmm. And obviously you have to feed the the flock so they can go out. And and so it's not that we don't nurture and care for ourselves, but the ultimate is to go out and reach others. And so what is the real function of the church? And And we talk about the real function of the church is to accomplish the great commission. And this is why we're there now. Let's, let's pause for a couple seconds here and I want to want to try to do a couple things ministry misfits one of the things that's really exciting to me about what what you guys are doing is you're helping people understand that there's a lot of different ministry and there's a lot of different calls and that and that you don't have to become a pulpit preacher to have a ministry. So then, how do we engage what we call local missionaries? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Meaning, they might be called volunteers. In a sports ministry world, they might be called a coach or a league director or a fitness class instructor. But they're not really just church volunteers. They're local missionaries. And their goal is to go and engage in Great Commission, the Great Commission, go into all the world. And go and make disciples, and let's follow that through. Matthew twenty-eight, the last couple of verses. It's also in the other the other gospels. Let's follow that through. First, go. Most of our churches say come. Mm-hmm. What you said, Celtic. We've got to go. Now we can also say come. It's not that that's bad, but we have to go to somebody to in order to say to them come, go, and what make disciples. Now, that leads us into the the next book, Soteriology, The Saving of Church Sports. And what does it mean to be saved? Raise your hand today if you like Jesus, or we're going to call you to discipleship. And what that means is you got to pay your taxes. You got to obey the laws of your land. You you can't live with your girlfriend. You can't do this. You got to do that. There's a lot of things. Oh, well, if that's what it means, count me out. I thought Jesus was just kind of cool sounding, so I wanted to raise my hand. So, soteriology. So, the, the going and making disciples is different than getting somebody to say, I want to convert. It really means that they're dedicating their entire life to doing whatever Jesus told them to do. Great commission. Go. Don't no, don't come. Don't have them just come. Go. Make disciples. How do we do that? baptizing them. That's right there in a great commission. This is one of the most overlooked things that we do in sports ministry, is we go and, and we connect with people and we get them to say a prayer, but then we never ask them to get baptized. Okay, I realize there's some people that are watching this. We have many churches and denominations <laughs> like and whole other episode right there <laughs> that baptize infants. Okay, But even in those traditions, they have a time later in life when that person stands up in front of the church and says, I'm confirming my baptism, Mm -hmm. and it's called confirmation. It's something that happens later. Whether they baptize the baby and ask them to come back and confirm later, or they dedicate the baby and leave the water, or in the case of my tradition, the evangelical friends, dry clean without water, uh, it's a <laughs> spiritual baptism, that that whether that comes later, I don't, I don't, I, I can live with that. Now, that may be heresy to some people, um, but I think the point that we cannot lose here is that after the person has made this decision to become a disciple, they make a public confession. Mm -hmm. I think the biblical norm is for baptism. Then it's not done, the Great Commission. What's next? Teaching them all that I taught you. Now, that's deep, that's wide. And that is long. And this evangelism, soteriology, you know, what does it mean to be saved? The Greek word for salvation is soter. So soteriology, what does it mean to get saved? It's not just raise your hand today and tell me you like Jesus. It is that you do this. You become a disciple, you get baptized or confirmed, and you start to teach and it's our five b's i'm sure you can put up on the screen save time but we end up becoming this disciple okay so now what we've had in this is that we do the great commission that is the function of a church so in a local church they're trying to grab hold of their volunteers and make them the best coaches the best fitness instructors the best bird watching club director <laughs> That they can possibly have so that through that they bring people to discipleship and they do that through what we call the great commandments we do the great commission through the great commandments what is that love god with all your heart mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself we do it through love i i'm not uh saying that everybody should become an evangelical friend But I really like the friend's perspective on this evangelism. It's not condemnation. It is conviction Mm -hmm. that we work to convince people about this. We don't condemn them, and we certainly don't demand for them that they have to do such and such. We say, brother and sister, let us reason together. Let's talk about this thing about faith in Christ. And through the conversations and through the relationships, people become convinced of Jesus. That's how they become disciples. And so we do that, how? With love. We do it by loving God in all that we do and loving people as ourselves. And so this, this convincement comes, this 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 evangelism comes through the great commandments and then that
0: fulfills the great commission. And so that's, and this is where, you know, we, why we are talking about this and why we did essentials first. Right. Is that, you know, what, what you just heard there is even though we know very well what tradition he comes from, there's, and we also are, we are all advocating for more of a Celtic model and everything else. You also are hearing the fact that, you know, these are what we're, the the stuff that we are saying is a function of all local churches and required of all local churches and what makes something a local congregation. It's about so, the Great Commission. It's about Christ first, Christ centered, which is the first great commandment of, you know, Love God and no other gods before me and all that. That's the Christocentric theology side of it. And then love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do that? That's our methodology, which is coming out of the Christocentric theologies that are biblically based. And so if we are doing it right, and we are actually doing the function of a church right, you should be able to, like Dr. Linville said that he and his wife do, They, you can walk into pretty much any kind of congregation, local congregation, if they are Bible-believing, if they are Christ-centered, you should be able to have fellowship with them in some type of capacity because the local congregation is about a fellowship of believers that are all believing in the same things. The other stuff is all secondary. And, it, and we're not even saying, and I think you would agree with this too, Greg, that we're not even saying that the models that we're proposing here as far as the, the Celtic evangelism model as opposed to the Roman or you know, dry cleaning <laughs> or sprinkling or dunking or what all that kind of stuff where th- those are those minor things. We are not saying that one is better than the other because we know that they all have their place some there you know the the roman model of evangelism worked very well in certain periods of history where structure was much more important to a culture structure is no longer that important to our culture and so if we are trying to force structure on people it's going to make them uncomfortable i also though know of families especially within you know, foster adoption situations where if they are going to a church that is not as structured, it actually could be a a hindrance rather than a benefit for these kids. This is where you know the I think it was the last episode you were on before we brought you back when we talked our four tier or our fourfold rubric. You know, it's just as important with in us figuring out what these different local congregations are as far as for those congregations, figuring out how they're going to act and operate is, is it strategically relevant? And then is it efficiently effective? And how do we know it's efficiently effective? That's what he just talked about with, are they following the great commission through the great commandments?
1: So, so now we have this ecclesiology established. What is the church? What's the purpose of the church? How do we go about this? We have to start to then focus it down because of our particular call. What does this mean for the sports outreach community? What does it mean for local churches that are doing sports ministry? And we have to ask the sports ministers of these churches, is is what you're doing, you have the same league that everybody else does in a whole community, and you just add a prayer at the beginning? Or is it something more? Are you actually going to do the Great Commission? And then we have to ask athletes, Christian athletes and coaches, a few questions as well. And this has to do with they want. And this goes back to the previous segment, I believe that you aired a, a week ago, and that has to do with the muscular Christianity and what does that elite coach or or athlete do. And an elite can be a middle school basketball player, a high school volleyball player, a collegiate football player, professional, whatever. It doesn't matter. These are the athletes we're talking about. And we have to say that corporate worship in relationship to you is important. You've got to be involved in a traditional Worship. Yes. Worship God through your athletics. The quote you had last uh, week, Andrew, uh, Eric Little said, and when I run, I feel his pleasure.
0: I knew you you wouldn't be able to get through a recording without (laughs) trying to go to your accent.
1: (laughs) So, So, yes, we can feel God's pleasure and we can worship him through our athletics. But there's something about the traditional worship that we need to be part of this is also Sabbath-keeping. You've got to have a day of rest. That also should be a day of worship, of traditional worship. And so when we start to ask these athletes, how are you doing on this? Here's a checklist. These are some things that they've got to figure out about how to integrate and incorporate. Now, this one's a little easier for those athletes because they they tend to do this more, and that is their own personal spiritual formation. How are they developing their spiritual walk with Jesus? That would include personal Bible study daily. That would include personal devotions that they would read beyond the Scripture. That would include personal daily prayers. And... A prayer journal that they just don't get up and say, Lord, I need your help today, but they would list the people that whose marriages need prayer for, who need to come to faith in Christ, who need healing, who need finance, who need a job. That they actually keep a prayer journal. And and that they they need a weekly Bible study, an accountability group. This is this all in this personal spiritual formation. But they also need to have this with the church because they're supposed to serve the church, not just not just be served by the church. And we're talking little C here, congregation. These athletes and coaches are supposed to actually get involved in whatever the church needs. Ushering, greeters, teachers at Sunday school. Tomorrow, my wife and I are helping with the first and second grade Sunday school class. Whatever it is to volunteer, you you need to volunteer. And also, that you have a place to bring people who you are reaching out to because they need to know that if they're going to become a disciple, that weekly attendance to these things and participation is part of it. And so you have to do that. And then, what about the sacraments themselves and i know that of course uh in the catholic faith and and the the orthodox faith there's there's the seven sacraments protestants have two if there's only two then let's take part of them and and again it goes back to baptism and the lord's supper and this is something if if and if you're Denominational uh, ecclesiastical foundation. If you only if they only serve the Lord's Supper twice a year, or four times a year, or even once a month, and you miss that Sunday, you could go for a year and not partake in the Lord's Supper. And what's that? Why is that important? Because you're not supposed to take the Lord's Supper if you have a bad relationship that's not confessed and and forgiven and worked out. It, it's a checkpoint the lord's supper is a checkpoint to our spiritual relationships with our brothers and sisters as much as the lord's day is a checkpoint for our time and our efforts and if we're if we can't go to the church because we're doing too much then something's got to go and it shouldn't be church attendance the same way with the lord's supper so this if if the athletes and coaches are not partaking in all of these things as I said earlier, it's likely that their faith is going to
0: end up shipwrecked. And Your this guys is thoughts? What, you know, this no. is what we're seeing right now. You know, we're, we're almost out of time for for this one. But, you know, this, this is really what we're seeing right now is 2020, 2021 forced a lot of churches to have to reevaluate what community actually means and what that little yes. c congregation actually means, and what the functions of all of these actually are. And so right off the bat, we saw a lot of churches that, you know, they, they were able to go online, thanks to some help from, you know, CSRM's digital ministry department. <laughs> um, you know, you they go. were able to go online, and they were able to do these things. And at first, the first thing that a lot of churches noticed was the fact that when other aspects of community were cut off more people started attending their services virtually because they were longing for community and they knew that they could find some kind of community within a local c congregation but then as the pandemic progressed the lack of actual community started causing some people to start trying to decide if the faith was actually worth it or not and if community was worth it or not we were lucky enough to be a part of a church where even though we did not meet at all really from march of 2020 until like September, almost I think, yeah. well and then it had we had to close again mm-hmm. you know until almost february of 2021 our church divided everybody up they followed the local cdc guidelines found out how many people could be you know somewhat close quarters everything they divided everybody within the congregation up into smaller groups of people that could meet together still safely within the confines of of the cdc guidelines and then we all were not only it wasn't just smaller groups meaning but all of the groups were studying the same things every single week and so we still had this aspect of a large group of people fellowshipping together but within the confines of a smaller community that was a little bit more intimate and allowed for more discussion and things like that but because we had contact with the with the brethren with you know the sister and whatever you want to call it we were able to not just not just stay okay throughout the whole thing but we were able to grow Greg, that's why we started the Tuesday Talks, was for the same sort of thing, you know, within within the sports ministry world of a chance for everybody to get together and to fellowship together, to check in on each other, to talk theology, to talk scripture, to talk methodology within some of the Tuesday Talks. That's why those that are in the Northeast Ohio and Columbus region contact us. We're doing this still within the sports ministry world with our roundtables because we have this desire for community and especially as believers we have a desire to be in community with a group of people that all believe the same thing and all are centered in on Christ you know that that's part of why great I, I fully I know you would say the same thing but even though you had no idea what was going on at that church that was all in Arabic you were still able to participate in worship because you knew for a fact that everything they were doing was centered in on christ and if it was all centered in on christ then you were able to be a part of the same kind of fellowship that they were having even when you didn't understand what they were saying
1: let me let me comment on this COVID era and and then make a couple uh summary remarks because this is this is something because we're we got to make this ecclesiology relevant to the sports and rec world and people that have been doing sports outreach in local congregations we call it the two disconnects the first one is how do we get them from the community or off the street into our sports and rec but then the more difficult disconnect that we needed to build a bridge was how do we get them from this field or the gym into the sanctuary how do we get them into the body life of the church And you guys have done this, you know. Sometimes years go by and you're inviting somebody that's been playing on your basketball team to come and no thanks, no thanks. And they're really intimidated to come. They don't want to come. They're not a person of faith, whatever. Suddenly, nobody's going to church and they're all watching it on a screen. And so the sports ministry said to these guys, you don't have to come through our door, just open up your computer and or screen and look at it. And and immediately we thought, oh, this is really great. Look at all these people. And, and many of the people that would never come through the door did open up. And, and now, now they've got this little screen that they're watching us on. But what happened was that it exposed most churches, most congregations, to how shallow and weak their worship service really is. Let mm-hmm. me walk this through. Because not only was it shallow, but it was it didn't do at all what people thought they were going to do. They weren't communicating. This non-church, non-believer, or maybe somebody who's just professed faith, but they're struggling, they tune in. And what they see in most churches is what is called contemporary worship. I hate to tell people, but it's now 40 years old. Right. <laughs> and that contemporary worship is some people with guitars, maybe a piano, maybe a drum set, maybe who knows what. And for 20 to 40 minutes, they perform. I'm watching it on a screen okay, and I don't know the music, I don't understand the lyrics, because I I just can't figure out it doesn't, I can't make it out what it is, and they would would be gracious and they would say, you know what, Uh, they play the guitar pretty well, or particularly that lead guitar went off on a riff, and yeah, but I would never buy a ticket to go see them in concerts because they're not that good, <laughs> particularly for twenty or forty minutes. Right. Okay, so I I, I go get my coffee and I come back because there's got to be something more. Oh, now there's somebody preaching, and the and the guy preaching says, "Okay, now I want you to turn to Second John," and this person is saying, "Turn." doesn't he know that there's nobody there and who who's first John and how do I know the second John that I'm supposed to turn to has no idea that it's a letter and that there's only one John and he says it's in the new testament did somebody die is this his last will and testament all these christianese words and 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 now this guy's talking about redemption and like me using all these Greek words, soteriology and, and, and anything that ends in ology and, and this, and, and they're saying, you know what, I'm so glad I don't go to this church. And so it's shallow because it's just some basic music. And then there's a sermon that doesn't communicate because the sermonizer is not in the mind of the unchurched, Doesn't the, the person who doesn't have a biblical background or theological background. He doesn't know how to make it relevant. And so they don't go to church. And so this is all the more reason why we have to have an ecclesiology. And so I'll end with these couple of, of summary statements. What does this mean for the local church, the congregation that is doing sports, rec, and fitness? We've got to help the pastor of the church. We've got to help, and they're called the worship leader, but they're really the worship coordinator. The Holy Spirit's the worship leader, should be anyway, Mm -hmm. okay? And all the people that are doing all those connections of trying to give the gospel and the worship experience and the Christian education experience, they have to be knowledgeable and walk through how can they make this relevant to the non-churched or the the not yet believer or the, the new believer. They have to be able, I mean, these people come in and then if they do come through the door, they don't know when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel. Am I supposed to say something out of that tray as it goes by or put something in? <laughs> I don't know. Am I supposed to eat this now, take it home? Do I do some Hail Mary with it? They don't know these things. And so we have to help our church, our local congregation, figure out how to reach those people and communicate to them. And then for the ministry world, there's a whole different application. What are you doing? Paraministry leader, huddle leader, Bible study leader, what are you doing personally? Do you attend a church? Do you participate in it? Are you helping the first and second graders as a teacher or the high schoolers or the men's men's group? Are you there? And are you able to bring somebody with you? Because when the pastor does get up there and say, Turn to second John. You can lean over and say, What he means is we're going to look at the second letter that John wrote and help them interpret that. That's what's going to happen. So, para ministry leader, sports related para ministry leader, is that your goal? Is that your purpose to get these people rooted in the church? And so, I think these are the applications that ecclesiology demands of us.
2: All right, I'm off yeah. my soapbox. No, that's very well said. So thank it's you. It's a good soapbox. Yep,
0: yep. And it and we want to shout out Corey real quick because you know we we talk the hunkos all the time. We talk third street all the time. We've talked to Kate, you know, all these different things. But one of the things that Corey has always done as a pastor, and he gets made fun of, you know, jokingly a lot about it is when he starts out, when he starts talking about what what to do with offering, he makes it very clear what it is and who who this is for. He talks very clearly about that with communion. And when he goes to a chapter in the Bible, he very clearly says we are going to this book, which is in this section, and we're going to this chapter, which is indicated by this, and we're going to this verse, which is indicated by this. Mm -hmm. And there is no... Yeah, you know, what they're
1: saying is that I, I need to go back and change core dogs grades from his class because he actually
0: did learn <laughs> that I I, it, I I would think he probably would appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thanks again, Dr. Linville,
2: for joining us two weeks in a row. So thank you so much for back to back here. Um, if you'd like to check out any of the books that we talked about you can go on to the CSRM website and check those out like the one we got in front of us here and I believe we talked about one more We we talked through three, a lot three. of his books.
0: You have written I don't how many books are you at now Greg? published? I don't know. It's a, it's a half a dozen or so yeah. and edited a lot more. <laughs> and you're and you're still writing as as we're as we're talking, so yeah, another
2: way that you can also help support Ministry Misfits and CSRM podcasts, if you want to go on to either Spotify, Apple, or where you listen and write us a review, mm-hmm. good or bad, that also helps us out as well. You can sp- support both of us financially too by buying me a coffee. Or, as Andrew's case, the slushy, which he likes a little bit more. So you can find out how you can do it. But see- don't,
0: go, don't go to buymeaslushy.com because that doesn't exist. No, It's yeah, still buymeacoffee.com. Buy but,
2: yeah, you get the slushy in the end. Um, that's that's right. It should have Andrew's contact and does it have Dr. Linville's too? Or Not buymeacoffee, M- yeah.
0: So if you go to csrm.org backslash donate, you click on domestic staff, and then there will be a drop-down menu. Both me and Dr. Linville are listed there. That goes to support our our individual ministries within within CSRM, where Dr. Linville serves as director of resources. I serve currently as the director of digital resources and church Re- and associate director of church relations. Um, but that money will go towards us. It'll also go towards the international missions and vision of of what we just talked about today, actually um that csrm does as well as the money that comes in um under my name will also go to support ministry misfits as a whole as well
2: I'll say last thing if you want to check out any of our shirts we still have those available on our shop and website
0: as and well also the ticfa yes the yep. ticfa which 70 percent uh, of the profits from that goes back to TIKFA which is a ministry that is doing a lot of the stuff that we talked about paraministries are supposed to do. Yep. All right. Yeah, so we will be back next week. We are excited. Dr. Beth Allison Barr will be with us to talk talk history, talk church history, why all that matters, and we'll probably hear a little bit about her book as well. So we will see you all then.
2: ministry misfits podcast is a production of overwhelming victory flicks overwhelming victory radio and ministry misfits media dr greg linville and andrew fouts are our executive producers and brandon simmons is associate producer our music is provided by morning light music and is titled rain if you would like to get in touch with us you can email us at ministry misfit media at gmail.com or by following at ministry misfit on facebook twitter and Instagram, and TikTok. You can support Ministry Misfits at anchor.fm forward slash ministry misfits or for FO one c 3 credit by going to csrm.org forward slash donate and selecting Andrew Fouts in the campaign menu. To learn more about Overwhelming Victory or to listen to our sister podcast, visit overwhelmingvictory.org.